Dude, I just need to say that I fucked you over so many times with scheduling and rescheduling this thing that I just need to say sorry and thank you. When was the first appointment that you canceled? shiny epi people. I'm Lisa Bodner. Thanks for being here. Today I'm talking with Tim Sheehan. He's a virologist whose research is focused on understanding emerging viral diseases and developing new means to stop them. He has studied coronaviruses most of his career, and the focus of his work now is SARS-CoV-2, the coronavirus that causes COVID-19. Why is he on my show, you may ask? He's not an epidemiologist. But actually, Tim's primary appointment is an assistant professor in the Department of Epidemiology at UNC Gilling School of Public Health. And how virology got pulled into epidemiology is a whole other story. While he does know what the modern epidemiology textbook is, it is because his wife is a card-carrying epidemiologist, not because he is. I wanted to talk with Tim today because he has become quite well known for his science, which is an upside to a raging pandemic. He has been on TV like the BBC and other news media. He was even the topic of an article written in GQ magazine, which is pretty cool. Although there is little science talk thrown into our conversation, we focus on what it feels like to be a coronavirus researcher in a COVID-19 pandemic and how it's changed his life. We also talk about how he stays safe in the lab and at home. In this episode, Tim says that it's very difficult to have hope right now during the pandemic, but this was before the results of the vaccine trials had come out. And so I emailed him and said, what do you think about these vaccine results and how does it change how you feel? And what he said was, quote, before the vaccine results, I felt like we were just walking down a dark, dark hallway with no apparent end. After the announcement of the results of now three different vaccine trials, it's as though someone has opened the door at the end of this hallway and we're walking towards the light. It's hard to gauge when we actually get to the end, but at least there's a point of hope to look forward to in the not-too-distant future. I hope you enjoy this chat. I'm really grateful that you're here. It's really good to meet you. Likewise. Um, so I have very high standards for the white cisgendered men who I have on my show. Rut row. <laughs> <laughs> Am I in the same company as Matthew Fox? I really hope that you live up to what I'm picturing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I want to talk about how all of this COVID fame uh, feels and what else makes Tim Sheehan a human. Do you want me, do you want me to speak to that or? <laughs> <laughs> the fame is weird. I think like, you know, my kids have seen me on TV and I think they kind of expected like us to have a Bravo show and like an entourage <laughs> and like be the Kardashians. Okay, so I've never met a scientist who was in GQ. Me either. So. <laughs> I think there's only been one. And then after they're like, we're not doing that again. 
right. No, that just that guy's way too boring. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, okay, so you were. I want to hear the order in which all of this happened. You've worked on coronaviruses for a long time, right? In yeah. terms of developing vaccines, antibody development. Is that right? Do I have that right? All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, vaccines, antibodies, like studying how um, the viruses make people sick and, you know, studying um, how like host genetic variation influences how people get sick and disease severity. So like mm-hmm. all of that kind of is what I've been uh, doing since grad school, really. Had you been working with SARS-CoV-2 before everyone else knew about it? No, but like, so the the family of coronavirus is basically like a family of viruses that are genetically related, but different. And they infect, you know, humans, um, your pets, um, animals in the wild, bats, pigs, sheep, like they're all over the place, right? Um, so we've studied viruses that are similar to SARS-CoV-2, but we didn't start studying SARS-CoV-2 until the CDC sent us a tube of it in March. Ah, okay. Yeah. So did you, you didn't know that this was coming down the pipe, did you? Well, so that's the other thing. Like so, coronaviruses, like part of their, um, their, uh, professional behavior is they like to jump from like one animal to another to cause new diseases. Um, and it happens all the time. So like there's actually a slide from a student seminar that I had in um, grad school and the title of the talk was like, go ahead and jump. And there was a picture of Eddie Van Halen, like, um, (laughs) but it was, he was like flying across the stage with his guitar. Like, I'm surprised that we're having a coronavirus pandemic, but I'm not surprised at the same time. When the CDC sent this to you, what were you feeling? I imagine it was a lot of mixed it was it's been an emotional roller coaster (laughs) they sent just a few people tubes of virus in march um just to like jump start um the research process so i don't know it's exciting you know it's just crazy looking back at what we were doing then and what we're doing now it's hard to really comprehend um how crazy shit has gotten when I look at my March self or my April self. Your February self was what? Cautiously optimistic about our ability as humans to use classic public health measures to contain the virus. <laughs> That's uncontainable. <laughs> so it was really, I think February self is um, dumber than March self. Even March, I was pretty dumb. Mm. I was like, this is going to end. <laughs> right. We're fine. Like Thursday. <laughs> I know, right? Mm-hmm. What was the most exciting thing about getting this vial of virus from the CDC? Basically, uh, what I've learned is that I have marketable skills, right? (laughs) That I can actually do something useful with them. You know, I think it's hard for people to appreciate basic science because, Mm. you know, it's intangible. You're like, you know, you can study your virus in the lab, but it's really impossible to really appreciate how basic science discoveries can benefit human health. You know, and it could take years for your work to culminate in something that could save someone's life. And like that's happening like super compressed um, early on, like the lab was testing the Moderna vaccine in mice and like doing things like like preclinical work 
while they're doing like clinical trials for these vaccines that are now in like right. phase three and like, you know, the work that we did on remdesivir, which was approved a couple weeks ago since 2015, we worked on this drug for other coronavirus and it kind of positioned that to just immediately be used as a therapy for people and go into clinical trial. So what's that like? It's really weird. <laughs> So you're in GQ, you're like a famous dude. People want to hear what you have to say. That's is unfortunate. It <laughs> <laughs> is it like uncomfortable? I grew up playing music and being in bands and like performing. And I think like there's a lot of similarities between musical performance and giving a talk. So I'm, com I'm comfortable being more of a public presence than I ever have been. You know, it's just, it's more complicated now just because the whole situation that we find ourselves in, it's like politically charged and, you know, um, people are choosing sides. What was your life like in terms of day-to-day -day before COVID and what is it like now? Okay. Day to day before. I, yeah. I think after I had kids, I got better at time management and prioritization of work and like other stuff. Like I don't like to work at night or on the weekend anymore. At work, I'm not social. I like go to work, I do my work and then I go home. That's how I felt once I had kids. I was like, okay, I can do eight hours worth of work in five hours. Oh, yeah. If I just like laser mm -hmm. beam yep. and forget everything else. Yep. So that's what it was like before, but now I definitely work more. In fact, I was going to have to go to work and like do part of an experiment after this, but I got oh. someone to fill in for me because it oh would have been gosh. like 10 to midnight kind of shift in the BL3 lab, but I'll be there tomorrow night and then the next night and then the next night after, you know, there's stuff that we have to do. We can't not do it. Like people are depending on us to like do experiments and make results because, you know, some of the stuff we're doing public health decisions are made, clinical decisions are made, and like, you know, medicines are mm -hmm. progressed or not. What are the highs and what are the lows? I think the highs would be reading about the first patient receiving remdesivir in the United States. It was like a New England Journal paper. This person was in the ICU and they get this drug that you like help do the preclinical development for. That's amazing. Yeah. Who knows if you're ever going to experience that again. And what are the lows? Recording podcasts. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, no, that was totally a lie. This is something I wish I would do more of, you know? Mm. Um, I, you know, one thing I really like about your podcast, there's yeah. a couple things. One. It's me. Right. It's, One, right? you're the host. My charming, <laughs> super charming. You're me. the hostess. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, like, really, like, how often do you get to listen to something that's a half an hour long? It's funny. And you, like, are connecting with people in a way that you never thought you would. You know, like, you're learning about people's lives and how they deal with the situations that you're trying to deal with at the same time. And I can do it on the way to work yeah. and be done and be done and feel like I achieved something because like <laughs> some podcasts, it's like, I need to pack a lunch. They're like an hour and a half. I got to go to the bathroom in the middle of it. So I don't know why I brought that. Why are we talking about this? 
because uh, I said, what are the lows? There um, doesn't seem to be any end in sight to mm-hmm. the situation that we're in. It would be nice to return to some kind of normalcy. Do you worry about bringing the virus home to your family? That used to be a worry, but now, you know, you can get it at Whole Foods or Lowe's or Mm -hmm. like Walgreens or whatever. Do you feel like you're almost safer? Oh, hell yeah. At the lab all day? (laughs) And especially even in the lab where you're actually like pipetting like solutions that have tens of millions of virus particles in it. That's the safest place to be. Because? You're suited up. Right. Yeah, we wear the space suit. We're in a, you know, special lab. You know, I could wear the space suit grocery shopping. I and know, you know, that's what I was going to say. People wouldn't Why even not? think that that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> not anymore. No, we'd be like, hey, he's trying to be safe. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't worry so much about coming home with it. No. When you go into the lab, you change out of your street clothes. So the okay. only thing you like wear into the lab well, I was about to say the only thing you wear into the lab is socks and underwear, but that's not true. <laughs> ah, right. I don't want to that, picture that. It's a really awkward working environment. <laughs> it's really awkward. You put on scrubs. Um, you have shoes that live in the laboratory that never leave. Um, but on top of your scrubs and your BL3 shoes, like the lab is called a biosafety level three lab. Okay. There are different like levels of biosafety depending on like the dangerousness of the pathogen you're working with. So like Ebola would be level four. We have a level three lab and like a normal, okay. like if you're working on flu or like something that's, you know, can make people sick, but like, you're not going to die. But like, then we put on like, Tyvek booties and a bunny suit and a hood with like a respirator and then mm-hmm. an apron and like double gloves and all that. Um, so, and all that what stuff. What is the apron for? What's that? Uh, just like an extra layer of protection. Okay. Um, so it's like an apron with, um, it's not like an apron for like that I wear for baking. <laughs> um, that, would be, that would be so cute though. If it had like pockets and some lace. Yeah. And have it be like, you know, the uh, David. Like Michelangelo. <laughs> What if you wore that? That would be incredibly classy. <laughs> but the ones we wear now, Lisa, they're actually yeah. blue. Okay. Um, and they're like basically like impermeable to liquid. So if you like splash some virus on it, like if some mm. accident happens in the lab, it's easy to clean. And okay. you can take it off if like shit is really bad. And is it hot or uncomfortable in there? No, because like, your respirator is like shooting um, air, like it's basically like a fan that's sh- that's shooting sterile air into your hood. So okay. it's like aircon for your. What's it's air like con? air air conditioning. Air like conditioning. it's like <laughs> why just say aircon? Isn't that what? Who says that, dude? I've literally never really? heard anyone say aircon. Maybe you can take a poll after. Like who says? <laughs> okay. It's like you know the people who say pop and some people say soda. Yeah, I say pop. Right? I don't say. What do you say? Soda. You say Coke. Are you one of those no, people who Coke? doesn't say either? No. Come <laughs> that on. calls everything Coke? No. So I don't know if Aircon <laughs> is a regional <laughs> dialect. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's not hot. So then when you're done, you strip all that shit off. Right. And then you wear the clothes that you came in right. with. Right. Yeah. And you okay. take, you like basically take all your PPE off. In like Mm -hmm. a certain order to decrease Mm -hmm. the potential for like contamination of your body. 
Okay. Um, so like, yeah, you put things on in a certain order and you take them off in a certain order and everything gets autoclave gets um, sterilized before yeah. they leave the lab. So like okay. all, all of our PPE, the scrubs get autoclave, they get sterilized before they're given back to the laundry service. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that you won't want to answer, but like, what are you going to do for the holidays? Um, not much. So my, my in-laws live in town. Okay. My mom and dad live in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up there in like July and camped in their yard. Cause I hadn't seen them in like six months. It was so <laughs> yeah. terrible. Like yeah. trying to sleep in a tent when it's 90 degrees and a hundred percent humidity. And my brother made like a, um, a composting toilet in my mom and dad's tool shed. <laughs> so we didn't have to like go inside. What does that even mean? <laughs> so, um, it's a five gallon bucket with a toilet seat oh, on top. It's a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> with a what a toilet seat on top yeah um and then he, i think he brought some like wood shavings like that you'd put in like a hamster tank or whatever like to throw on top tank hamsters go in a cage cage but like a tank can't you, that's fish but I, when i had hamsters we just retrofitted a fish tank it was glass that's okay that's fine <laughs> that's unusual yeah. i wouldn't call it a tank in that <laughs> okay <laughs> So, so then you throw shavings on top and that's it. And then the next person can come in and it's ready to go. And it doesn't stink. Not like you would think. And then who has the pleasure of dumping? Oh, my, no, my brother would, <laughs> he'd like, he'd be like, I'm going to dump it. And he'd take a shovel into the woods and then he'd come back. And that's a commitment to public health. Yep. Although, is it safe to dump raw sewage in the woods? Oh, well, you know, they, it's a rural area and he dug a hole and um, okay. like Whatever. it wasn't next to their well. Like Jon okay. Snow wouldn't be like, this is bad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Tim Sheehan, the music maker i started playing guitar when i was 12 or 13 i started like writing and recording and like composing my own stuff when i was a kid yeah and i played like um in abandoned college we made a record like an actual record an actual record yeah yeah like a a 45 Um, yeah okay and that's what we like sold when we played shows and stuff and we actually we did a tour um on spring break like junior year in college and we drove from like new hampshire and we played all through like um we played like a bunch of shows in in pennsylvania and like wilkesbury and like we played at villanova Mm -hmm. um and we ended up in detroit like that was our last stop like and we got I, I can't remember if I was driving, but we got into a car crash on an overpass and like someone ran into our U-Haul trailer and we're like, tore Aww. over. But if you were touring, that means you guys were really good. Mm, we were touring. I That's think that true. is equivalent to something good. It's kind of like scre- like screechy, like um, like punky rock music. You know, before COVID, I would like do some work in my computer. Then I would come upstairs to this room, which is like my recording studio slash Mm -hmm. guest room slash now my wife's office. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would, you know, play guitar and like record music and stuff like that. And then eventually go to bed. Um, Now that's kind of more of a rarity these days. It's really shitty. Like I started, uh, there's a folder on my desktop called New Album 2018. Oh, that's sad. I just don't. I like start stuff. I never finish it. So sad trombone.
What else do you do to keep yourself sane, Tim? Cook. Like, I spend a lot of time making food. Mm -hmm. Like, the joke in my family is, like, it takes dad a half an hour to make a sandwich. Because I want every bite to be, like, the best sandwich bite that you've ever had in your life. Um, But, you know, it's funny. I don't know how I got in the sandwich thing. I don't actually like sandwiches all that much. (laughs) (laughs) Like... If you know, like my worst nightmare is I'm at like a meeting and there's mm-hmm. like a box lunch and there's some cold, like soggy yeah. ass sandwich in it. I'm like, I would rather I want to I will starve. I am not going to eat this. And I like walk and go to some falafel place down the street because like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. what I want to have. What's your favorite drink? Coffee. How do you like it? Cold. What do you put in it? Nothing. But, you know, the funny thing about like being in the BL3 lab, there's no bathroom. For you to go to the bathroom, you have to decontaminate your suit, throw everything out and leave and like stop doing what you're doing. You have to suit down and suit up just to go to the bathroom. Exactly. On day, Oh, my God. And you could be in there like for five or six hours straight, right? No food, no water. You can't have any food or water in the lab. No. So like on on days that I know that I'm going to be in there for a long time, I like had to like titrate. I figured out like that it's five sips of coffee. Okay. Anymore. And it's like borderline. You're like running down the hallway, like wetting your pants, trying to get to the bathroom in time. Wow. Isn't anyone like wearing adult diapers? Maybe. I couldn't handle that. I drink so much water, I would be peeing every 45 minutes. It, you would have a hard time in the lab. <laughs> You'd be very unproductive. Because think... <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I would suit up, I would have to right. be like, oh, sorry, guys. Hold on. Hold on. If humans started colonizing Mars, would you volunteer to move there? Man. Really? Would I get away from coronavirus? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think if we could maybe get everybody into a two-week quarantine and maybe get an NP swab <laughs> before they get on the spaceship, uh-huh. I'm there. How long would it take to get there, though? A really fucking long time, oh, that, right? Mm. Well, you didn't tell me that. I wouldn't even move to the moon. The moon is kind of depressing. Yes. It's very, like, uh, monochromatic, you know? Yeah. Where's the pop of color, Moon? Yeah, it doesn't even have like an atmosphere. Like what a quitter! Like way to way to <laughs> way to not be a planet. <laughs> you really gave up. Yeah, it's like there. sweatpants. It's like this. It's like the sweatpants equivalent of planets. I have these dresses. They're just like cotton, and you just like throw them on, right? They're just like, and I call them my "I give up" dress. <laughs> Do they not even have pockets? No, they have no pockets. Come on. They're just like cheap. And it's like the, you know, you go into work and you're just, fuck all of this. Like, I give up. And you just put all (laughs) your Tell me something dumb you did as a kid. This could be another like five hours. Um, So I grew up in like the 80s. And in the 80s, which is kind of surprising today, but people would routinely like come to my mom and dad's house for parties and smoke. Yeah. Inside. It's like, what? Like that was a thing. Yeah. So there is always like lighters and matches around my house. So I like fell into some lighters somehow and you know mm, was experimenting as like a five and a half year old and the thing like oh. 
the thing that I chose to do was to go into my mom and dad's bedroom and go under their bed and light the cover of the box spring on fire and then blow it out. And then I would light it on fire and then blow it out. And then finally I lit it on fire and I couldn't blow it out. So I went downstairs and I was like, mom, I think I let your bed on fire. And she's like, what are you talking about? You think you, and she like goes upstairs and like the shit is like on fire and like the fire department came. Um, Ultimately, my mom and dad ended up getting their whole bedroom refurnished, new rug, like new furniture and everything because I burned it down. Wow. Were the firefighters like, hey, son, don't play with matches, dummy. (laughs) It's like Smokey the Bear, you know? That didn't stop me from doing stupid shit with fire like after that. I continued to do dumb things after that, including like light fireworks off inside. Oh, my God. Yeah. Me and my brother, you know, WD-40 hairspray is all flammable. And so I would like write words with flammable liquid in the basement and light it on fire and like do stuff (laughs) like that. Wow. Who's the funniest person you know? This is a really hard question. And the reason it's hard is because I don't see people anymore. I, f- well, do you remember I forgot, like, I think I might have funny <laughs> friends, but I don't see, I don't see them anymore. You're funny. How did you get to be funny? Oh. Is your family funny? No, I don't know why. Like, I think I'm like my daughter where like, I've always been, you know, the baby in the family. I'm like vying for attention. Like, Absolutely. notice me. Like, I'm a person too. You know, it's just like, <laughs> shut up. Like. Like, go play with your G.I. Joes and, like, stop bothering me. Or go, like... Go play with matches. Right, right exactly. Here's a lighter. <laughs> right, right. Here, these are cigarettes. This is a lighter. <laughs> go. Go. Go have fun. Figure it out. I'm really grateful that you did this with me because it's been so much fun to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. You're a celebrity, and so I'm going to be able to look back and be like, I had that guy on my show. <laughs> but you've had you've had famous people on here before, right? I mean, Julia Marcus. Right. She's like... She's famous. Yeah. But that's it. Everyone else is... They're just chumps. <laughs> hey, that's not nice. <laughs> I'm right. just kidding. I love, love my guests.